0: welcome back my fellow creatives we are here on you've got five pages to tell me it's good to see if a new release at my local library can indeed in five pages tell me it's good and this one i grabbed purely because of its title not going to lie because being a wisconsinite uh i'm very much uh, a lover of our north woods OK, the northern half of Wisconsin is very much a wilderness. There's little farms, little towns, but it's mainly forest. And so when I am seeing a book title called North Woods, I'm like, oh, oh, what fun. Let us go into the wilderness of the north woods. And what do you know? This is a book that takes place in the north woods of Wisconsin i i'm excited and it's a paul bunyan festival i've been to one of those (laughs) so this book is called northwoods by amy Pease, and she is a wisconsinite herself uh apparently you know studied at uw madison um mainly into medicine but uh this is her first novel so excited debut novelist why not um and hey when we can get into you know the mysteries of the north woods I think that's exciting because I mean look I understand the appeal of the urban mystery the gritty noir type thing but there is something a lot of fun about rural mysteries as well because there is such a vast expanse around the little clusters of quote unquote civilization. Um, I mean, that's why you can have such fun with series like the uh, British Midsummer Murders, which are all, you know, village mysteries. Um, And even uh, the Sherlock Holmes, what is it? The Adventure of the Copper Beaches, I believe, is when uh, Sherlock Holmes himself says, you know, it's the countryside that scares him, not the city, because of that isolation factor. And yes, as one who loves the Northwoods, it is a very isolating place. So I'm excited to see what Amy Pease has done there. Uh, Let's go to chapter one for there is no prologue and see what Northwoods by Amy Pease dishes up. Eli North stripped off his clothes and waded into the water. The lake muck cushioned his feet, and when he was in up to his chest, he rested his plastic travel mug on the water's surface and let his feet drift upward. He had always been good at floating. The water had that mid-August feel, warm and slippery and heavy with microorganisms, and a flotilla of lily pads protected the tiny beach from water traffic. Not that anyone would be on the water at this time of night. He tried to focus on the stars, the weightless sensation of floating. Meditation, they called it. A way to set aside negative thoughts. He put the mug to his lips and sucked the whiskey through his teeth so it wouldn't spill into his nose. His lip was split, only partially healed, and the fiery liquor lanced the wound open again. Michelle had agreed to meet him after work, but she'd left before he had shown up two hours late. It was a sad routine, making promises, breaking promises. And there was a part of him that had been relieved when she was asked for a divorce, when she asked for a divorce in July. At least now they could both move on her to something better and him to a place where he didn't disappoint her all the time. He thought of Andy. Across the lake, somebody cranked up the radio. Etta James's voice slid over the water. A nice change from the usual shit-kicking country coming from Dan Simmons' cabin. Classy with a K was how Michelle had always described Dan. Eli took another sip of whiskey and winced at the pain on his lip, at the throb of the surrounding bruise. At last my love has come along my lonely days are over and life is like a song the music seemed custom-made for the setting as if it was to be sung only on dark summer nights against the rustle of cattails and the plinking call of chorus frogs maybe the vacationers wouldn't mind at a james maybe they wouldn't call to complain maybe tonight he could just get drunk and float He lay there, floating for a long time, long enough to notice that the music was playing on repeat, which suited him just fine. Still, it came as no surprise when the scanner crackled from under the heap of clothes on the sand. People with lake houses weren't the type to let a noise disturbance go unreported. Eli, you there? He ignored the dispatch, vaguely wondered why he had bothered to bring the scanner to the beach in the first place then breathed deeply and tilted his head backward until the water nearly covered his face. He relaxed his grip on the travel mug and let his arms and legs go limp in the soft, tepid water. The sound of the music was muffled now by the water over his ears, as if it was coming from another room, as if he had stepped away from a party. When the memories began to lap at the edges of his mind, he was ready for them and pushed them away. Eli! The bark of the scanner broke his concentration and he floundered like water poured into lake water poured into his nose and he choked then scrambled to right himself he coughed and sputtered and had just caught his breath when he noticed something pale bobbing among the lily pads several yards away nearly concealed by the thick vegetation and heavy darkness he swam toward the object but the waves from his forward motion pushed whatever it was deeper into the lily pads with each stroke. He stilled, treaded water just enough to stay afloat until the wave subsided, then ducked his head under the water and swam toward where the object had disappeared, into the thick plants. Three kicks and he surfaced, his travel mug still nearly full, bobbing against a lily pad. He grasped the handle of the mug and was surprised to find that his hand was shaking, that his heart was hammering in his chest in a way that had nothing to do with the distance he had swum. What had he expected to find floating in the darkness? With a twist of his hips, he turned and began to swim back to shore, holding his drink out of the water. He stumbled on the sand, caught himself, got up again. When he reached his pile of belongings, he eased the lid off the mug and tipped the rest of the contents into his mouth. He stood still for a long moment, the back of his hand pressed to his lips, then bent over to grab the scanner. And that's the end of the first chapter. Uh, yeah, there's a reason I didn't bother pausing at all. I mean, cause this first chapter is all of a little over two pages. So technically I could get into chapter two. Um, and maybe I will for a moment, uh, but I really, th- this is a great opener. We didn't need a prologue. We used the first chapter to establish our character because this, there's nothing else establishing this. This is a first. So we use that first chapter to establish our character, establish our setting. Um, I mean, we're not, we haven't said in the prose, it's Wisconsin yet um which is fine we know he's out on a lake at night and we have a sense it's summer we have a sense this guy's alone and we don't know where the split lip came from but we as readers can make a few guesses and that's really all we need in that first two pages this is a guy who's clearly bummed depressed Isolated from his family, which honestly does kind of play nicely with the isolation of being in the North Woods too. Uh, I like the Etta James At Last song playing there. There's a lot of great sensory details. And we're getting touches of exposition without giving everything away. Like that line, he thought of Andy. That's That's its own paragraph. Who's Andy? We don't know yet. Um, We know Michelle is his ex-wife. And clearly, you know, while he is sad about that, he also sounds like he's relieved with it, too. But who's Andy? Could be a son, could be another lover. We don't know. And, and, And that's fine. We didn't need that information right here and now. We are focused on establishing this character who's clearly a loner, uh, clearly down. Um, And we're seeing that. We're we're not being told he's sad. (laughs) We're shown it, which is fine. And it helps us also see where he finds his, I don't know if you want to say comfort, but we're being shown where he is trying to Bring some inner peace to himself. But something has disturbed that peace. And considering there is a scanner. When it comes to noise disturbances. We can presume that Eli must be related to either some sort of law enforcement. Or some sort of neighborhood watch. um, Which could also explain the bloody lip. Uh, And he has clearly found something that has disturbed him. And this being, you know, a mystery, I think we could gauge that it's probably a body. <laughs> so, you know, we've got some time. Let's at least tuck a little bit into um, the second chapter. We could at least get another page in here. The shadows were thick along Lake Lawn Avenue. Red pines had been planted by the thousands in tight rows across Wisconsin by the Civilian Conservation Corps during the Great Depression, and now they created a thick, 80-foot-high wall between the county highway and the bumpy, potholed gravel road that led to Barron's Resort. Few plants grew in the dim understory of the pines, and the base of each trunk was bald and knotted, forming shadowy allays as perfect and precise as they were dark. The sand in Eli's shoes chafed as he made his way from the parked cruiser toward the row of cabins. A campfire glowed in a backyard a little ways down the lake, and the flames illuminated a ring of people sitting in lawn chairs. Laughter and the pop and crackle of the fire mingled with Etta James, and none of the party goers seemed to mind the music. He thought of Andy again. His boy loved campfires. A born pyromaniac! and it wasn't until a few years ago that Eli and Michelle had been able to enjoy a campfire without fear of him falling into the flames. Now he himself was the one Michelle had to worry about, ever since he had stumbled drunk much too close to the neighbor's bonfire last Christmas. And his being burned to a crisp wasn't the only thing she was forced to worry about. They're going to find you dead on the bottom of the lake someday. The shore on this side of the lake was a zigzag of granite outcroppings and pine forest. Cabin 6 was partially hidden from the road by trees and from the water by a tall ledge of red granite. Through the pines, the windows of the cabin shone brightly. Baron's resort was picturesque, nostalgic, like something from a postcard. Split log cabins with red roofs and screened porches, stacked rock fire pits and tree stump benches. There was a tiny beach with deck chairs and racks of canoes and a long L shaped pier with a westward view across the shaky lake. Um Yeah, we'll we'll keep reading at the bottom of this page. Okay, sorry, I was just double checking my time. The parking space next to the cabin was empty, with two long scars in the gravel where a car had peeled out of the driveway. The music blasted through the open windows and a light shone over the door. He paused in the shadow just outside the pool of light to take stock of himself. He wasn't drunk, buzzed maybe, but not drunk. His hair was still wet, his skin tacky with the lingering film of lake water. His uniform was rumpled and stale smelling from sitting in a duffel bag in the back of his car and the tan fabric hung too loosely on his large frame. There was no doorbell and nobody appeared when he knocked, so he let himself into the kitchen through the unlocked door. It was a small homey space furnished with honey stained knotty pine cabinets and a speckled linoleum floor a formica table chrome with a formica table chrome with a bright orange top sat in the middle of the room all four orange vinyl chairs were pushed in nothing on the countertops the refrigerator door was ajar and upon further inspection was empty and unplugged no evidence of food or drinks The music was jarringly loud, like a smoke alarm in the middle of the night, but he resisted the urge to find the source and turn it off. The noise hid the sound of his movements, and for that he was thankful. It had always been the sound of his own movement that had scared him in Afghanistan. And he announces he's from the sheriff's department. There I'm going to stop. So we have the cliffhanger of the end of the first chapter with him finding something clearly unsettling. And here now, just a couple pages into the second chapter, we know he is of military background. So if something scared him, that's all the more unsettling. Then we get a little more about family. Um, you know, the fact that he is struggling with, uh, this, our main character is struggling with alcohol. Um, and still misses his son. So we know Andy is his son and that alcohol could potentially be the death of him considering he fell on a bonfire. That's, and what I do like as well with Amy Pease's prose here is she's very careful to drop the establishment, the background details, um, in little bits. These are not huge chunks. Um, And even just our description here of this resort, uh, we are getting it in the action of still investigating something. So we only have like a couple sentences of what this resort mostly looks like, but we're mainly getting setting details to know where people are and that he is investigating noise. He's getting into... What seems to be an empty cabin and yet the music is coming from there what's going on so there's still that little mystery there and for the record yes indeed those red pines that are just packed on top of each other the way they grow there it does make even the highways feel very isolated through the north woods it's cool and weird at the same time (laughs) So overall, I really like this. I think this is a really strong start. I want to keep reading it. I'm curious to see if there's anything else I recognize in here. And, And yeah, I'm enjoying her writing style a lot as well. And it's a nice example when it comes to starting a story of using the character, our protagonist, to hook readers And an inciting incident to hook readers. We didn't need a prologue to fake out or do any sort of bait and switch. And it didn't take long to build up either. Again, two pages and something bad happened. But having that, just that little bit of balance of setting and character, using them to help us see our character and the world, not just telling us about it, that was that really cinched it for me so hey if you're in the mood for uh a rural kind of mystery uh i i think you dig north woods by amy Pease. i mean just give it a go see what those first few pages see uh say to you and uh then we'll see what i can find on my library's new release shelf next week so until then read on share on and write on my friends cheers